Hi, this is James Altucher. Thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle on this episode. So when it comes to really maximizing this, there's a couple of different things you want to look at. The first thing is you want to get the right cards and put them on the right expenses and earn the right points. And so I can break that down a little more. But once you get that right, that means you're going to, again, be earning points that are more effective because not all points are equal. So it's a huge mistake is that a lot of people get the wrong cards and they have points that they can't use well. Regardless of whichever way you want to play it, I would suggest finding ways through converting your points from banks into airlines and hotels, which is really the kind of main secret sauce here that most people haven't figured out. If you can figure that piece out, then you'll be able to get way better value. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Hey, I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate, and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of The Entrepreneur Circle. I'm your most happy and humbled host. As usual, I have an individual here that I think is going to be super, super valuable in your life because he's going to be in mine as well. I'm going to find out all there is to know about taking advantage of your credit card points and how you can travel the world. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to welcome Eli Facienda Facenda. To the show, brother. I did a rookie move, man. How did I do on your last name there? <laughs> it's okay. Facenda. Yeah, it's all good. Facenda. Yeah. I think I got it the second time. That is such a rookie <laughs> move. Anyone who's listening to me, Eli and I were, were chatting before the cameras and the mics turned on. And that was the last thing I did not ask you. So apologies, brother. So no worries. Uh, I want to, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, dude, because I'm, this is going to be a fire hose of information. And I think that we're going to take away a lot from this that we're going to be able to take action on and hopefully, um, you know, 
experience the luxury life. So folks who don't know, Eli, the travel guy, Facenda is a travel-loving entrepreneur with a nerd-like passion for maximizing credit card points for world-class travel experiences. He's visited over 40 countries in the last five years and able to leverage these credit card points to get an average of about $100,000 of luxury travel every year. He's the founder of Freedom Travel Systems, where he and his team tra help people travel, uh, you know, their business owners that maximize the luxury travel uh, with their points without all the headache and frustration and trying to figure this out for themselves. His One of his favorite flights, and we'll probably hopefully get into this, was flying a $15,000 first class seat to the Emirates. Uh, one of his favorite countries countries to visit was Japan. I love Japan as well, dude. I want to get into that with you. And one of your favorite credit cards is the Amex Gold. So yeah, thanks for being here again, brother. Appreciate it. Awesome, Eric. Thanks for having me here and excited to dive in and, and hopefully share some of my story and really some insights and strategies and tactics that can be really relevant for anyone listening to this that can take away and, and be able to implement really quickly. So looking forward to diving in. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, I'm excited, man. So before we get into all of the uh, the details on how we can get this done, I want to I want to get into a bit of your story by starting with the Eureka moment that caused you to pivot in life or business. Yeah, so I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to give you two Eureka moments, but they're they're connected to each other. Okay, so the first one was actually when I was uh, 16 years old. I had never left the country. I was a baseball player. Grew up in the DC area. Uh, played competitive baseball. And I got invited to go down to this trip to the Dominican Republic to represent the U.S. and play in this like international, uh, basically series of games. And it was like a family vacation plus trip. And I remember going down, I didn't want to go. I was scared. I didn't speak Spanish. You know, I was like afraid of flying, uh, all the things that you would probably think of when you're 16 about going to play in a foreign country as an athlete. And I remember when I was down there, I was playing left field in this baseball game. It's like 110 degrees out. We're basically on a field that looks like Sandlot. And I remember trying to focus in on the game and we're playing this really, really talented team, yet they had absolutely like nothing when it comes to physical material possessions, right? Half of them didn't have their own cleats. They were trading cleats. They didn't have like more than one bat for the entire team. And I remember in the middle of the game, I'm trying to focus on the, you know, on the game and a chicken ran across the field in front of me. Like that's how rural this, this same, this game was. And I remember looking up and being like, holy crap, what is going on here? Like there was a guy on a moped behind the center fielder on the field. There's this whole crazy travel experience, right? And I remember at that point being like, this doesn't make any sense. Everything that I was told about like, kind of just like making more money means you're going to be happier and you have all this success and all this stuff. And I looked at these kids and these people that were in this like kind of village and I was like, they don't have anything nearly what we do, yet they're having way more fun. They're just like watching them play. They were more alive. They were having more fun. They were just like more enjoying life. And I was just so perplexed by it that it gave me this curiosity to want to then go travel the world. So that was kind of the first Eureka moment for me was like, I have to go travel. And then I went to study abroad, which led me to my first career working at a uh, at a tour company where we sent sports teams overseas, similar to the trip I was explaining. So that's the first moment. So that was kind of this peek into curiosity of like, wow, the world is very different than what I grew up thinking it was. So let me go see more of it and really sink my teeth in. So that's kind of, that's the first one. Yeah, dude, that's absolutely. How old were you again? I was 16 at the time. Yeah, yeah. Being able to travel abroad or just away from your hometown in general um, begins to 
piqued that interest and that curiosity. And you're like, man, there's way more than the people that I know and the 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 the, the faces that I see uh, in school or in my my family barbecues. Um, so yeah, I totally get it, man. I, I I relate to that experience because um one of my first travels was Italy as a child, and I was like, what? Cool. That just blew me, blew me away, dude. I was five years old <laughs> back when they could. Wow. I'm old enough too, where the the rules were like my parents would be locked up in jail right now, but they threw me on a plane when I was five, celebrated my sixth birthday there. But anyway, and I was by myself. I was by myself. The stewardess was taking care of me. It was weird. But anyway, let's get into your tra- your story, not mine. About um, what was your your next Eureka moment there? Yeah. So the so the next one that really led me more into the career that I'm in now. So I started out that was a kind of curiosity. I need to travel the world. Went to study to study abroad. Got a uh, as we said the first employee building this international sports tour company. Like I was really the number two kind of there. Like I was like an entrepreneur, right? So I didn't start my own business off the bat out of school. I more got integrated into another company and had this kind of awesome environment to be able to grow and like test things. So it was really cool. But what happened during that is I had a lot of friends I went to Lehigh University in Pennsylvania, close to where you are. And it's a great school, you know, finance degree. And so a lot of my friends are going to Wall Street. They're making a lot more money than me. And I'm like, well, I want to hang out with these guys and travel and do this whole thing. And I was like, but the path that I was on, I was hustling. I was working in several different jobs, like all this stuff. I was like, I'm not going to be able to make enough to travel with these guys. So there's got to be another way here, right? There's got to be something else that I could be mm-hmm. doing. And I figured out, okay, credit card points could be one of these strategies. So I learned the credit card points game. But the Eureka moment was when I first got my, when I experienced my first ever international business class seat. And I remember walking onto the plane, right? So I'm at the airport, I was at the lounge, got all this like champagne and stuff. I remember walking on, it's the first time I turned left instead of turning right. And I'm like walking down the aisle, like all, so out of place feeling like, oh my God, I don't belong here. You know, there's all these like pods at the beds and the whole thing. And the flight attendants coming up asking for one champagne. And I remember just sitting there being like, I am in heaven right now. Like I was going over to see this, uh, to this personal development conference, which I was really pumped about, but it hit me. I was like, I just paid $6 for this seat. The person next to me paid like 6,000 and I was making around like 30 K a year at the time. So I was like, this would have cost like a fifth of my salary and I just got it for $6. And so I remember being like, okay, I'm hooked. I was like, I'm in. So I nerded out hard. And then what became this kind of just like obsession and, and necessity then became kind of just like a passion and a hobby and then a little bit of a brand and then a consulting kind of project and then a business. And then now we have like a 15 person team. So that moment was very defining for me as well. Yeah, dude. So, oh my goodness. So take me back. So you, you accomplished that, but what were some of the like micro steps to, for, for you? Like, as you started to realize, wait a minute, this could work like, or did you do research on YouTube? Did you follow the steps or you made them up your, on your own? For the travel hacking side or for the business? Yeah, for that first experience um, where you got a six dollar seat, <laughs> making thirty k. Yeah. Um, y- yeah. Can you can do you remember the mindset and what some of the steps you took to to like figure yeah. that out? So believe it or not, right? So I was listening to podcasts before podcasts were cool. So like twenty fourteen, um, I was just like going through the the rabbit hole, and I remember I had heard about this whole like travel hacking thing. And I was really inspired to travel by this point because of the experiences I shared with you before. And that was why I listened to that episode. And then I heard like, oh, there's credit card points. I was like, interesting. And so I kind of like bookmarked that in my mind for a little while. And then a couple of years later, I was like, okay, I need to start traveling. And I came back to it and I was just reading a ton of blogs. I made so many mistakes because I was just like reading random bits of information and really like, you know, this credit card and, and travel game and even the business credit game, which is a separate piece of it. It's a big puzzle, right? And you can get all these different pieces of information and that was what I was doing. I was like taking a random puzzle piece and like, okay, I got this piece here. And now I got this piece over here. And none of them really put, came together well. I didn't really know how to kind of make it all work together. 
So I just do random things and like it would kind of work because in the credit card game, you can get like one credit card and you can get some points and you can get some free trips. There are much better strategies to do it from like a higher level where if you really want to zoom out and like get more value, there's a sequence and an order and kind of methodology to it. Uh, but at that point, you know, I was just, you know, reading tons and tons and tons of blogs, credit card sites, all that stuff. YouTube didn't have a lot of good mm -hmm. content yet, even at that point. So it was mostly going to be just like a lot of uh, articles pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So you deep dove into whatever you can find, whatever you can get your your hands on. And you sort of educated yourself. And when you started to see the pieces of the puzzle put together, was there like a holy shit moment where you're like, wait a minute, I just bought a ticket for a $60,000 flight. Like, what was that like? Yeah, I was so I mean, I was like a kid <laughs> in a candy shop. I mean, I was beyond excited. It was just like the coolest thing I could have ever having having like imagined having done because you know i love to travel and so i was like if i can go overseas and fly in like business class seats and get a lay flat bed and have like the lounge experience and the champagne and be around like you know higher profile people yet it was one of the funny parts is i'm getting on the plane i remember talking to people being like, like oh where are you going after this we were flying to london like oh i'm staying at the saint regis like five-star hotel that costs like 700 dollars a night like what about you? I'm like I'm going to a hostel. <laughs> so it was like it was very it was very different in terms of at that point I didn't have enough points to figure out the hotel side too. So I was like I don't care. I'll have to go stay you know stay in a 12 person dorm, but I'll fly like first class over there. And so yeah, that was that was kind of part of the part of the beginnings. I love that. I love the humility though too. You know, like here you are. You're like I hacked the system. I'm not afraid to admit it. Meanwhile, you're sitting next to probably the CEO of like a Fortune five company or something. That's one interesting thing. And I'm glad you brought that up is, um, who, who are some of the, you know, most interesting people you know, that, that you have sat with? Cause yeah, you're right. That is a upper echelon of, of, of folks that you would have access to direct access for hours. I mean, yeah, yeah. You end up, I mean, you never know who you're next to, right? I mean, there's been some, definitely some celebrities in the first class cabins I've been in, but more so I just find like, if you have kind of just like a, normal everyday person, but like, you're just curious, how do they end up there? That kind of stuff. You end up hearing some really cool stories. So I wouldn't say anyone specifically that I've like, that would be like noteworthy in terms of like name recognition, but, um, definitely like, you know, C-suite executives at fortune 500 companies, CEOs of big firms, um, some really big entrepreneurs that have like started their own thing. And then there's all the kind of like quiet millionaire people too. A lot, a lot of the people aren't using points, right? So when you get there, a lot of them are just paying for it. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are like, the real estate investor or the guy who owns like 20 laundromats, stuff like that. But, uh, but it's really always interesting because they're there for a reason, right? Either they, they figured it out or they figured out how to make and earn a living where they, you know, buying a ticket like that makes sense or they're traveling that much where they're getting upgraded. So any of those three options means there's an interesting story there. So I love having conversations with people, um, on some of those flights. If, uh, yeah, if it feels right. Cause you don't want to also be yeah. that, that annoying guy who's like provoking everyone to talk the whole time if, if they're not into it. But every now and then you sit down next to someone, and you get to hear stories or someone from another country and you get to hear all about that, that country that they're from. Uh, that's one of my favorite experiences too, for sure. So I would say, uh, it, it, yeah. it really varies, but love having those conversations. Yeah. So many bonuses. So how long did you do this for, uh, until you did, you left your W2? Is that what happened? Yeah. So, so basically that tour company, I was a W2 employee and they got equity. And so over basically the last seven years, we built it up and then I still have equity and still uh, part own it and, and run some of the operations there, but I'm no longer W2 there. And that happened last year. So I've been building this company now full time for about three years. Wow. Congrats, dude. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's dive a little bit into that. Uh, and then I, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of how, how people can kind of 
take steps to, to, to do what you're doing or at least get started. Um, so you're working in the, in the tour company and they were aware of what you were doing, like you were building a business on the side. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they're, they're good friends and partners. And basically the way that it was going is it wasn't really intended to be a business, to be honest. There was no, like, mm. I'm going to do this and scale it and like exit that kind of thing. There was no plan for that. It was like, mm. Hey, the, you know, the pandemic had hit. I had this skill set that I already kind of knew. I had people who were asking for it. So it's kind of just like doing it on the side a little bit here and there. And that was the plan the whole time. And then all of a sudden it kind of grew and grew and grew. And I like really had this passion for it. And one of the things that I was also really like hungry to try and do was like, I want to build something where it's mine and I live and fail by me. And when you have partners, like partners obviously help for a lot of reasons. But in the initial stages of this, I really wanted to have something that was just my own too. And so uh, once this once this got to a certain level, I was like, I have to go all in on this or I'll regret it forever. And so, uh, yes, that was kind of the transition point. But uh, but yeah, still involved, still love the, the tour company. Like it's a huge piece of my life and and uh, tremendous respect for like what that mission is about and the team and everything there. So I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm still involved a little bit with both there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good, brother. Um, I want to, so let's, let's get into a little bit, cause I'm sure everyone here is super eager to find out how they can kind of take advantage of this strategy. Um, first I want to start with, and, and, and you guide me as well here in that, uh, you know, there's, there's the consumer, right? People who aren't business owners, they're in W2s that could take advantage of this. Um, and then there's business owners, that, that can take advantage of their business credit um, and leverage this as mm-hmm. well. Let's let's start with the consumer for those who who are because I have a lot of real estate agents that are, are fans and, and people that are in their W twos. Let's let's speak to them uh, for a little mm-hmm. bit to see how they can take advantage of this. What are the first steps? You yes, use? sure, sure, sure. So the same the same steps apply regardless if you're a business owner or a consumer or W two, however you want to you want to say it. Because ultimately, you're playing with the same system. It's just that business owners tend to have more volume to spend which is why when we have higher tier services that are more concierge level, it makes sense for a business owner because they spend a lot. They're usually very busy. They have more travel by nature of their kind of career where they're going to conferences or doing, or they've set up their lifestyle where they want to travel more. And that's a big part of it, right? So, so when it comes to really maximizing this, there's a couple of different things you want to look at. The first thing is you want to get the right cards and put them on the right expenses and earn the right points. And so I can break that down a little bit more. But once you get that right, that means you're going to again, be earning points that are more effective because not all points are equal. So it's a huge mistake is that a lot of people get the wrong cards and they have points that they can't use well. The second thing you want to do is you want to start to upgrade your everyday travel. So that means like, I'll give you an example, right? A day of travel should, should look like this. If you do it well with cards, you should be getting a free Uber ride to the airport because you have an Uber credit. You get to the airport. You don't pay for bags. You go to the priority check-in line uh, to check your bag. So less line there. You've got TSA pre-check and clear. So you're reaching through security. You get to the lounge, you get free drinks and food and good Wi-Fi and all of that stuff. Then when you get to the gate, you know, you're boarding first, you get to sit in first class, all that stuff. So then you get off the plane, you go to the baggage claim, you get your bags first because they come out quicker with first. You then also get a free Uber ride to the hotel where you get early check-in at VIP line, you get an upgrade, you get free breakfast, you get free Wi-Fi, all of that stuff. That's not even really like about using points per se. That's more about being able to maximize the card benefits and playing the status game well, which anyone can do. So that's what I mean with upgrading everybody travel. And then the third thing is going to be you want to use your points more effectively, ideally at like five times the normal value that they are, to get really awesome luxury trips. And these are going to be the big international first class trips. It might be awesome ho- luxury hotel stays or depending on who you are and how you want to play it. Like maybe it's not you know, uh, first class with a shower on it going to, to Dubai, it could just be taking the family of three down to, to Disney, right? And so regardless of whichever way you want to play it, I would suggest finding ways 
through converting your points from banks into airlines and hotels, which is really the kind of main secret sauce here that most people haven't figured out. If you can figure that piece out, then you'll be able to get way better value. And just as an example, if someone had uh, 100,000 credit card points, right? if they go to, let's say, Amex Travel, which is what most people do, this is a huge mistake, they would redeem their points for travel through that, and they would get one cent per point. Amex gives them a fixed value on their points, so they'd get $1,000 out of those 100,000 points. Well, mm -hmm. the strategies I'm talking about where you can convert them into airlines and hotels, right, into their loyalty programs, you can get 3x, 5x, 10x, sometimes even more, wow. that value, right? So you could be getting 5,000, 10,000, sometimes 15,000 dollars or more out of the same points, right? So if you earn more points, you get the status and the benefits and the upgrade of the travel experience, and then you can take the same points and get five or 10x that value. Now you've got a really, really, really uh, wide and amazing set of opportunities to tap into when it comes to the travel experiences that you want. So again, that doesn't matter if it's a business owner or, uh, or a non-business owner, that's just gonna dictate how many cards you have available to you, which cards are available, and then how much you're spending. So it's the same system either way. Yeah, that's great, dude. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of nuances and a lot more information that's packed in between everything you just shared there, but I, but I like the framework mm -hmm. uh, that you shared. Um, can you can you compare the credit card points to like what most people are familiar with with cash back? Like, what's the differences there? Yeah, so great question because this is also another common mistake is that people are either using debit cards because they listen to Dave Ramsey at some point, or <laughs> they're using they're using cash back. And once you start to run the numbers. If you feel like you trust yourself with your finances, then credit cards and specifically points will always make sense if you're someone who travels. If you don't travel at all, cash back can make sense. But basically, let's look at the numbers, right? So let's say someone spends $100,000 a year. We'll use baseline numbers, okay? So if someone spends $100,000 a year and they have a 2% cash back card, they're going to get $2,000 back off of that annual spend, right? If they have a card, though, that earns two points per dollar, and then they have a way, like I'm talking about, to get call it three cents per point, they just got 6% back. So they're getting $6,000 back instead of 2000. And so and they're getting awesome travel experiences. So that's why I always suggest going the points route. Because if you wanted to, you could still cash those points out, hmm. right and treat it like cash back. But you have a whole bunch of other options that you don't get if you just go the cash back route. So that's, uh, it's a big mistake. Again, but if you don't travel at all, in some cases, it might make sense just to get the cash back cards. I'm not really recommending that to, to many people at all. But uh, that's why you want to stick with points cards. And specifically, if you want to earn the most effective points starting out, you want to be looking at these transferable bank points, the ones that can convert from the airline or from the, from the banks into the airlines and hotels, as I mentioned. And those would be with Amex, City, Chase, and Capital One. Those are the four banks that can convert. The other banks, if you earn like US Bank Points or Wells Fargo or PNC or really or TD or Discover or any of those, those will not convert into airline or hotel loyalty programs. So you'll be stuck getting less value out of them. So that's why starting with those points will get you a lot further. What about um, a lot of these airlines partner with these credit card companies? You know, so like, you know, I just bought tickets last night on Spirit. Yeah, you know, uh, try not to judge. <laughs> but, but dude, I don't mind it. The seats are uncomfortable. I flew to LA the other last week and uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was, just, But anyway, I see that every time there's a pop-up, like, hey, get the Spirit, da -da -da, get 20,000 points and join this credit card or where you're on Frontier. I think they're merging actually, if I'm not mistaken, but like Frontier, they're mm -hmm. always hawking that credit card like before the flight takes off and, and just when we're about to land. They're like, hey, so... It, what would you say, like, how, how do we know uh, the difference or how to take advantage or don't take advantage of that opportunity? Yeah. So, so I always suggest having more of a plan because if you're kind of just like reactively getting credit cards from random 
bonuses and promotions, you, it, it just shows that you don't really have a clear plan around like the points that you should have, which airlines you're flying, the airports you live near, what you're spending on. And that's how you, those are the kinds of things you want to optimize your, your, your credit cards around, right? Like if you spend a lot on groceries and dining, some cards earn one point per dollar on that. Some earn four, right? So it makes sense to get the card that earns four points per dollar, like the Amex Gold. Yeah, I mentioned, you mentioned in the beginning of the show, that was like one of my favorite cards because that will earn four points per dollar on groceries and dining, which is a very common expense, right? Whereas you could have, and, and you can use those points to fly any airline or say any hotel, okay? Now, compare that to like a Frontier card that might earn one point per dollar and you can only use it to fr- fly on Frontier. Like it doesn't make any sense to get the Frontier card. So if you don't have a plan, then you might just randomly start getting the wrong cards. And so that's why I would suggest have a strategy first. And then when you're gonna be flying uh, on these on these flights, you you really shouldn't be paying attention to a lot of these cards. But one thing that's interesting to note, a lot of the airlines actually make more, they're more profitable from their uh, loyalty programs than they are from actually selling seats. So that's why they push these cards so hard. There's a, there's wow. a huge amount of money in that and that ends up being a big driver for them. Yeah, the arbitrage and they get a cut um, from, is that why the, that totally makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. they're, they're like, we don't get yeah. paid to the, to hawk this. Uh, I remember a passenger asking one of the stewardesses, he's like, he's like, you get a commission for this? He's like, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, Frontier is making a good amount of money. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The flight attendant doesn't, but the, but the airline <laughs> definitely does. Yeah. Um, so what, what would you say, um, is one of the, the biggest things that's overlooked, uh, by business owners or for people in terms of like the credit card points and what it can be used for? Yeah. The biggest thing, which I've kind of touched on is just using them inefficiently. So a couple yeah. common mistakes here would be cashing them out for gift cards or cashing your points out for Amazon purchases. Yeah. Guilty. Uh, definitely those two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those yeah. two are going to just waste all your points. Going mm. even to the travel portal, which means like the bank's travel site. So again, Chase Travel, Amex Travel, all that stuff, really not efe- efficient. Transferring them over to the loyalty programs is is way better. And the reason for this, by the way, so the bank portals, they they give you a price in points that is directly correlated to the cost in cash for that ticket, okay? Mm-hmm. So if something costs $1,000, they give you one cent per, per point. That's like a fixed value. So it's gonna cost 100,000 points. The airlines, they have a whole different way of pricing. Like, American may say to fly from the East Coast of the US to Europe in business class is going to be 60,000 points on a normal date, right? And so that ticket might cost $5,000. So if you were going to basically look at your options, you could pay $5,000. You could go to the bank's travel site and it could be 500,000 points because they give you a fixed value. Or if you go to American Airlines site and use points, it's only 60,000 points. So you're mm-hmm. going to save a ton of points. It just means you can get way more travel for that experience. That's how I did the Emirates one, right? So that was a, a $14,500 first class ticket. Mm-hmm. And that one that has the shower, has the bar, it has Dom Perignon, it's got caviar, it's like crazy experience. Yeah. And that's one way per person for first class. Now that would have been 1.45 million points through Amex travel. But instead I was able to convert the points and it was only 136,000 points. Wow. Right? And anyone can earn that many points pretty quickly. Most of these cards give sign up bonuses of 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 points. So wow. just off of opening a new card, you know, you could basically have an experience almost like that, or you could go to Europe and business class, that kind of stuff. So it can happen very quickly. It's not like it has to be this long drawn out game. Um, mm-hmm. You can get one single card. There's even one called the American Airlines Aviator Red Card. The first purchase you get on that card, you'll get a 50,000 point bonus. So you can literally get the card, go buy a Slurpee at 7-Eleven for $2, <laughs> get 50,000 points, and then you can yeah. use those 50,000 points to fly overseas in business class, like get a lay flat bed over to Europe. Wow. 
That's crazy. Yeah, because if you're getting the $50,000 up front after buying your Slurpee, uh, you only need like roughly 100,000 more, 110, 120,000 more. And you're probably using it for gas and, and 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 food and all these other things, right? This is just like you one of your main cards, the Amex Gold, and you just keep accumulating points to to mainly exactly do this travel. Like you use the points specifically for travel or do you use it for other other things? No, only only for travel. Only for travel. Because what I'm talking about getting the be- like the best value out of, you can only do that with travel. Got you, it. You just won't get you won't get that value for anything else. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny because you remind me of because I've definitely you know, I'm guilty of trading in for Amex or trading it, you know, for Apple, whatever it is. Um, It's reminded me of like, I'm going to try to use a loose analogy here. That's kind of making it make sense for me is um, if you go to a casino, right? This is not real money. they, They don't want you to associate dollar for dollar for things. And like everything is kind of mixed up in terms of currency. Like, so if I go to from one casino to the other, there's one casino, that's the baller one that has their chips. Sometimes if you go to the really baller ones, and I've never been to this room, but they have these plates. They're actual plates. You see them in movies and like where they're playing high stakes poker or something. And uh, Europe, basically. And you imagine taking that to another casino and it's some places, it's it's the value is high. Some places it's worth crap. You know. So would you say that's like mm-hmm. kind of similar? Like you have to just understand the conversion and where it's value, valuable, most valuable. Exactly. Ex- exactly. It. And there's, you know, there's different ways to be able to do that. Um, like there's different sites that will give you more insight into like what points are worth. There's sites like the points guy or one called upgraded points, or there's a bunch of different blogs that will help dictate that. And generally a lot of them are worth kind of like the same ish. And then there's some points that are worth way more or way less than others. Like those bank points. That's why I always say start with those because the Amex chase city and capital one points, those can be used at a much higher value on average. So those are worth way more than like a Marriott point, which is worth like a quarter of that amount. So that's, that's really important because when you are doing this whole conversion thing, Another mistake people make is they just start to convert points from a bank into something that's worth less. So it'd be like, it'd be like basically doing foreign exchange. And like, if you were going to convert a dollar into a Mexican peso, which is not the same, and you did it at a one-to-one ratio, you'd be getting ripped, right? But if you don't know that, you're just like, sure. So you want to know generally like what the value of these points is going to be. And uh, and that's super important too, to make sure you're doing this right. Yeah, that's, that's dope, man. So wait, in terms of travel, it's not just airfare, but hotel. Uh, those are also the other things that uh, you use this and take advantage of all travel mm-hmm. expenses, whether it's yeah. hotel, f- yeah, flights, Ubers. Does that count? It really, it really works specifically for hotels and airlines. Okay. So if you're going to be doing this with rental cars and stuff like that, you can't really redeem your points optionally for that. You can go through the travel portal and get that fixed value. But more importantly, you what you want to be doing for things like um, – you know, for things like rental cars or Airbnbs or excursions you may be doing on a trip, you want to be able to go ahead and use the right card for the purchase so that you're earning more points or earning your way towards status. So that's going to be the main way to really uh, be efficient with that. So there's, again, there's kind of really two sides of the equation. There's earning points and using them. And anytime you're making a purchase, you have the opportunity to earn a lot more points. And uh, by using the right cards, you'll just be more efficient with that and earn a lot more, much faster, which means you get more free trips. Yeah. Okay, dude. Yeah, I'm going to start looking into this. I've been doing a lot of travel lately, so this is all relevant and I'm feeling really foolish <laughs> that I'm not taking advantage of this. So I know I, I prefaced before we got into these questions um, in terms of how people can get started or things they need to look at or pay attention to. You were saying it does apply to consumer and or business owners. Um, they can all take advantage of, of some of the steps that you you shared with us. But then I also see that you have some expertise and um, and some advice 
to uh, to give business owners in terms of their business credit and 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 funding. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. So this is yeah. a big piece of it too, because when you start to get into the game, you'll realize there's personal cards and business cards. So from a foundation level, a couple of things that are important to know: business cards don't show up on your personal credit report, but they do require your personal credit to get them. So you'll get an inquiry for that application. But like if you use, let's say you get a $15,000 credit line and you max it out, that utilization will not show up in your personal credit report, report, whereas a personal card would. So if you're a business owner, specifically a a newer, younger business owner that's trying to like start or scale something, it can be really advantageous to get a business card and leverage the credit line there to scale up your business. Now, for me, for example, that was how I started this this entire business because I wanted to start to build it at a certain point. I needed to hire kind of a team because I didn't have a lot of time since I had another uh, business that I was building. And so it was like either my time or someone else's time. And to get someone else's time, I had to have a way to do that. And so I invested into a a coaching program and it was like 7,500 bucks, but I put it on a 0% interest card, right? And because I was basically, I think I had like a $10,000 limit on it. I So I almost maxed it out, but I had 12 months to pay that back. So I basically was taking a bet. I was saying, hey, I think that if I put $7,500 into this program, it will yield me more than $7,500 over the next 12 months. And I can just pay off the card, have done, having paid no interest, and at that point, I could have like pulled money out of the stock market or something like that, which I didn't want to do because I need to pay tax on that and all those things. So I was like, what's better is just to leverage debt, right? And so I went in, did that. And then I've done that multiple different times and iterations to make moves inside of the business. So whether you want to acquire um, you know, a new asset or you want to build something or start something or invest with a coach or a mentor, um, you can use business credit to do any of that stuff. Now, again, they are going to still look at your personal credit. So you want to make sure that you've got um, you know, a high personal credit line already. You've got um, several different personal credit cards. You've got, um, you know, your your entity set up ideally as an LLC or an S corp or some sort of actual entity. You you can actually still get them even if it's just a sole proprietor. You can apply with your social security number as the EIN and still get approved as a sole proprietor for business cards. But you're going to get higher approval limits when you apply with a little bit more of like a what they would call like a legitimate appearing business for the application. So the older, the better, the more revenue, the better, the more income, the better, you know, the more of a structure, all that stuff will help you get approved for higher limits. But if you do that, well, you can use all that credit line to grow. And a lot of these cards are going to come with point bonuses or points earnings too. So you can double dip and play the points game on the personal side and on the business side. Um, in particular, if you have a business that's spending a lot, you know, multiple five figures per month, that's like who we work with typically a lot is people that are spending a significant amount. You can really generate a ton by being more efficient with the right cards on uh, on those purchases. So that's a big opportunity area too. Yeah, yeah, I love that, dude. I mean, also being cautious and not being uh, sort of frivolous and 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 budgeting and making sure that uh, you are taking care of that business credit which you're now building. Um, you know, if yeah. you're, I would suggest just to to throw in my two cents in that if 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 you're not great with finances on your personal side, um, you know, be 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 very educated and aware and financially literate in terms of. Be- <laughs> you know, opening the door to your business credit, because then you don't want to screw that up either. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about um, when I first started as well, I started, you know, getting a little more uh, knowledge about DUNS and like DUNS reports. Can you explain that to people who are early business or W2s that want to kind of move into the space? Since it sounds like you have that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's great. It's a great point because when you say business credit, it can seem like this elusive word to some people. Like, what does that really mean? So think of business credit as like a general term. And then within that, you have a business credit score, a business credit report, and then you have like business credit lines. So the business credit line would be like a revolving line of credit or a credit card, or even like a, uh, you know, business loan, for example, could be 
you know, technically under business debt or business credit, you can call it the same thing, right? Then you've got a business credit score, which is similar to a personal credit score, but it's just calculated off the business. They actually use very different factors in that, in the, in the business credit score. So like the whole thing with, um, utilization, stuff like that, and, uh, your average age, like those don't matter as much. What matters the most is your relationships with other businesses that will report to the business credit bureau. So for example, it's how much you're borrowing from other businesses and paying back on time for specific, uh, again, not all businesses report to these bureaus. So it's not like if I paid you a bunch and I was on time with those payments that you would report to the business credit bureau. It's more like there's big, uh, bigger companies that will report. So Uline, Quill, Granger, Crown Office Supplies, there's a, there's a bunch of them that are like online retailers. A lot of times they have to do with kind of like office supplies or kind of um, equipment type things. But you make purchases on those. And then over time, they will basically report to the business credit bureau and say, hey, this person's reliable, which means you get a big, a, a good business credit score. And then when you go to apply for business credit cards, you can put that that number in your uh, your EIN, and they will automatically look at your business credit score, which is a, your DUNS number is one of the main business credit scores, right? Or the, it's called a paydex score, but your DUNS number is going to be the one associated to that, to that uh, credit bureau. So that's going to be the way that you can get approved for even higher limits. If you have a Dunn's number set up, which is for Dunn's and Bradstreet, then you'll get a score called the Paydex score. And that's the one that they're going to look at to decide how high of a credit limit to give you and all that stuff. So you don't have to have any of that to get approved for business cards, but it can help you get uh, higher limits and it can help you get um, more approvals throughout the process. Love it. Awesome, dude. Yeah, this is a masterclass compressed into a half an hour for you folks. Uh, we, we covered uh, sort of the consumer side of things and how you can take care or take advantage basically hack the system uh, for travel uh, when you're doing it right. And then uh, a little bit of an educational source to to business credit and and, and the benefits of, of, of building up your business uh, credit. So um, I want to get into the last or the, the penultimate, so to speak, segment of the show, brother, where uh, we embrace the F word, meaning failure. Any stories you could share where you've learned some lessons uh, the hard way? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll take it back to when I first was kind of starting this business. There's a couple of different lessons that came out, but basically the, the main one actually has to do with navigating a tour company through COVID. So, you know, we were in this international tour company. We have a whole team. We've got this huge operation going. We were like scaling to multiple seven figures right during the middle of this. And we're in like the worst place that you could possibly be for for COVID, international group travel. Like you can't get worse than that. <laughs> large, large groups of people traveling together overseas, not, not good. So we were, uh, we were in a really tough spot, right? We were trying to figure it out and trying to understand. And at the beginning, right, none of us knew how long was this going to last? Is it going to be a couple of weeks? Was it going to be a couple months, a couple of years? Like what's going to happen? And so what ended up happening is we mistakenly decided collectively because we wanted to have more hope in the company and more like of an uplifting perspective. And we genuinely believed it too, but we were, we kind of had this cognitive bias that like what we wanted to happen is what we thought would happen. Right. And it was like, it was kind of like having a lot of faith without having like a reality check. And so we kept saying, Oh, Oh, it's, you know, it's going to be done in a month. And we're going to be back traveling. So we've done in a month. We're going to be back traveling. So what we didn't do is we didn't make a contingency plan early enough that if shit hits the fan, like, what are we going to do? Right. And because of that, we got behind the eight ball a couple of times and it wasn't, you know, the end all be all for the company. It wasn't like it wasn't like completely disastrous, but it made things a lot more difficult and it made it much harder to get back on our feet for the next year. 
And so the, the, the thing that I really learned there was like, even if you want something to be true, right, even if you think it's going to be true, it's still very wise in business to check your own thinking and to check reality and say, hey, am I just seeing this through my lens? And this is the way I want it to go because I'm being optimistic. And that's part of like, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to have that sense of optimism, kind of like a dumb level of blind faith sometimes where it's like, there's no reason this should work, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then mm-hmm. and it ends up working because you're just committed. And that's how life sometimes seems to work. Right. But there's also times where it makes sense to be like, I've got to look at the reality of the situation and the downsides, especially in a situation like that, and be willing to say, hey, maybe there's some other paths that we could take. And uh, because we were too nervous to do that, because we didn't want to bring down the energy and the hope in the company, we ended up, again, being in a tougher spot than we had to be. So that was a very, um, very important lesson. And uh, at the same time, I was just starting to try and launch this credit card consulting business because I had done it as a passion and there was a lot of, you know, kind of side clients that I had and stuff like that. And the mistake that I made is I tried to do it all myself. Mm. And I did that multiple times. And I had to attempt the business three times to get it off the ground the third time. That third time is when I mentioned I invested in the coaching company. I got a virtual assistant. And I was like, I need to apply more leverage to this because me hustling is not the answer. Mm. And I've had to learn that lesson multiple times. I kind of recently just hit another like kind of wall of burnout. And that happens, I think, periodically for entrepreneurs to be able to work hard and like push themselves. And I just am learning there's always new levels of working smarter and not harder. And the more I try and go back to my old ways of just like hustling it out, it's just that's not that's not going to get you to where you want to go as efficiently or as enjoyably as you can. Right. And so that's kind of uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now as well. But those are all some of the lessons that kind of came from that initial period of uh, when COVID hit and, you know, running travel companies. Yeah. Oh, so good, dude. I really taught everything you just said that that. Um that situation, and I'm very much uh, like you, guilty in terms of trying to just have blind faith and optimism uh, through any situation. Um, that that the term I love best, I didn't make this up, um, is a reality distortion bubble. You kind of have to mm-hmm. just live in that, and that's that's I, the, the, that term I've heard was associated with Steve Jobs originally. Like he lived in a reality distortion bubble <laughs> and, uh, you know, that guy didn't know how to run business. He just had ideas, you know, and that's the other thing is like just finding someone that can do what you can't do. You know, um, you know, I have a business partner that knows how to run the business. You know, I'm, I'm the visionary. Um, you just have to be able to have that level of self-awareness where you're like, oh, like you said, find who's your first hire, the VA. And like, okay, take all this stuff off my plate, please. <laughs> I beg you. <laughs> so I can go totally. do the higher level stuff. All right, brother. But that's good, man. Thank you for sharing all that. That's that that that's really valuable. Um, any any books that you recommend? Anything you you read in the past or reading now that uh, you recommend to our listeners? Mm. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of my favorites. Um yeah. so the first one is called Clarity. It's by a guy named Jamie Smart. And this book is it's um it's hard to even call it a mindset book, but what what it kind of speaks into is kind of your innate natural resilience, your innate clarity of mind. And I think as entrepreneurs or, you know, people that are like ambitious, we tend to get really busy up here and really noisy up here. And it makes things much more difficult. And this book has helped me tremendously just find a lot more ease with a lot less effort. And so that's one book. Um, The other one is actually from a client of ours, a guy named Dan Martell. Uh, It's called Buy Back Your Time. And Mm. so it's all about basically replacing yourself in all areas of the business and how to do that in a way that makes sense and is uh, kind of, you know, sequentially in alignment with what actually the business can handle. You know, you can't delegate everything right away, but there's an order and a sequence to do it most effectively. 
he's an absolute master at that. So those are two of the two of the ones I would recommend for sure. So funny. You know, the universe is uh, banging down, if not knocking down your door. When a book is mentioned more than once in a day or within two days yesterday, a client of mine said, read that book, buy back your time. Now, <laughs> here we are again. And you're like, buy that. I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. I better go buy it. Amazon. All right, yeah. brother. <laughs> uh, so let's wind down. Let's land this bird, so to speak, and um, share with the audience the one word and how you help people. Aliveness. And the, the reason I picked that word is because ultimately, like one of my biggest passions in life is travel and giving people the reasons and the capability and the, uh, the possibility to travel. But ultimately, a travel to me is like a time when we just become most alive, right? We're outside of a normal environment, a normal routine. It's the sensory experiences are all different. Like everything is heightened. And it's just like, whoa, it, you just have that sense of kind of really coming alive. And I think we get so stuck um, inside of our day to day that we don't get enough experiences of that. And so to me, that aliveness is so essential. And that's a huge reason why I love working in the travel space, because you can give that to people, you know, they come back to their business, their family, their lives with new ideas, fresh perspectives and all that. And I think that's a huge, huge, uh, important thing and a huge, and a huge thing that we're all looking for too. So that's my word. I love it, dude. I love it. That, that I can safely say has never been used before. So thanks for sharing that. What's the best ways that people can reach out to you? Yeah. So Instagram is great. Um, that's gonna be Eli travel guy there. You can also, if you're interested in learning a little bit more, you can DM me the word mini M I N I, and we'll send over, uh, our mini course, which is normally $50. You'll get it for free. Um, so you can hit me up on Instagram there. If you're interested in talking with our team, you're a business owner who travels a lot, spends a decent amount and wants to learn more. We've got free consult calls, uh, on our site and you can go there to freedomtravelsystems.com. And those are the two best places to, uh, to reach out. Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for sharing some time with me and educating us, educating me, especially on, on, on how we can start taking advantage of all these credit card points and fly more than for a dude. If there's something above first class, that's what you're experiencing. <laughs> so it's pretty cool, man. <laughs> taking showers, you know, uh, eating Don, eating caviar, Don Perignon. That's, yeah, that's a dream, man. So thanks for sharing that, brother. Appreciate you. Amazing. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. And hopefully this uh, was supportive for anyone in the audience. Absolutely. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral. And as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle.